Welcome back to The Human Exception. Sorry about missing last week's episode. My computer decided to implode and it was just a great time all around. But we are back this week and we're getting witchy with it as Hallie tells us all about witchcraft in Europe and all the trials and tribulations that came with. As usual, expect foul language, but also be ready for the infuriating practice that was the witch hunt and the loss of innocent lives that came with. It's time to get ready for another Human Exception. So witches. Oh boy. Welcome back to the human exception. It's coming up on Halloween. It's October. Um, which means we should talk about spooky things. Okay. So we decided to okay. talk about witches. Yeah, um, we talked about this a long time ago that we were gonna do this. This has been a long time in the works. Um, we started tackling it, we broke it up a bit. Um Ali was going to do Europe, and Nathan was going to do North America, and I was going to do Asia. Then we all started looking into it, and like, this is way too fucking big. Yeah. So we've broken it down a little. <laughs> Just a little, because otherwise it turns into an academic career, and I have no interest in going back to college. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, I never yes. went to college, and I still don't have an interest in going back. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. No, no, no. <laughs> So I feel like you should probably start off, Allie, since like what most people know about witches kind of originates from Woo! Europe. Oh, yeah. Let's fucking do it. Um, yep. All right. So digging around uh, again, like you said, Kayla, there's so much here and it is impossible to cover it all. So anyone who, who has any kind of like knowledge or expertise when we're talking about uh, witchcraft and the pursuit of quote-unquote witches, particularly in Europe, yes, I realize that I cannot cover 400 plus years of history <laughs> in like an hour. Um, no. However, I will recommend a very good book that's actually going to bridge some of the gaps between what I am going to talk about and what Nathan is going to talk about. And it's called The Enemy Within, A Short History of Witch Hunting by John Demos. He is an academic. He has spent his entire career looking at this. So I figured if I was going to get a primary source or a secondary source, this would be the guy to go to. Um, it's really interesting. He he does kind of not boil it down, but make it so that it's understandable. Uh, there's a lot of um, crossing between religion, culture. Um, yeah, what's the word that I want? Uh, prejudices uh, that largely run either anti-Semitic uh, against people of a different creed or race, uh, gender. Um, I saw the word gender aside come up a few times. Gender aside. Yeah. Oh, gender side. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I it it was used in both so like gender side and gender aside. Um you know, because primarily the people who were um accused of being witches were female. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not always, but that is the bulk of it. All that disclaimer aside, I wanted to actually start with uh proper clarification because like we see, and, and you'll see this between um, what I talk about and like what Nathan talks about, because he and I were discussing how one particular central figure towards the end of the mass European witch hunts uh, directly influenced what happens in the States, because it was happening kind of at the same time around the late 1600s. Um, the, a lot of this history goes all the way back to accusations that were made against Christians by Romans by early Christians against those they deemed heretics, um, by Christians against Jews, and then later Christians against supposed witches, and then even as late as the 20th century, by Protestants against Catholics. It includes accusations of things like child sacrifice, blood drinking, communing with devils, just really fun, happy, so great. It's great. <laughs> Well, there won't be a lot of like deep, deep detail here, um, but we're going to I'm going to read some things out loud later that just make me go, 
what the fuck? Um, so what makes Western witchcraft accusations between the 14th and roughly the 18th century really unique in compared to the rest of the world is this deep-seated fear of heresy and Satan. And then so they started adding in things like charges of uh, Diabloism and indictments of uh, Maleficum, which means malevolent sorcerer. You know, we hear these things in and around because it gets so wrapped into like popular culture and, oh, I'm so witchy or whatever. I'm like, no, 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 people died. People died <laughs> being accused of this stuff. Like, yeah, you need to look a, at it a little more seriously. <laughs> which could have been anybody, especially if you were Jewish. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you looked you... at me wrong. Burn her. Oh, yeah. That's where a lot of it came from. Yeah. Or yeah. your your cow died, and you know the... you rejected my sexual advances. Yep. Or yep. like I came to you for help for something, but then it didn't work, and so you're fuck a witch. You. Yeah. Yeah. Now witch. it's worse. Drown her. Burn her. Yeah. There's a lot of that. <laughs> Um, the word gendericide or gendercide came up quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. And some academics have thrown that off um, as more research has been done into witchcraft, particularly in the more recent couple of decades, making sure that, yes, we need to um, preserve the knowledge that most of the people who were accused of witchery or sorcery or, or you know maleficum um were female uh or seen as female uh, but that wasn't always the case because apparently during the like 60s to 80s there was like second wave feminism there was this broad brush of oh you know being accused of being a witch that was just because it was just all misogyny and that wasn't necessarily 100 percent wanted to put that addendum in there um so accusations were you killed my crops you killed my cow uh they're sacrificing children they're drinking blood uh, they're communing with devils they're having sex with satan like everything <laughs> that we could think of now that gets wrapped into QAnon, it, it yeah. actually there's a lot of similarities it's really frightening the um, witch hunts were the first QAnon. oh god oh, they were wow well, that's it for the human exception. I need to leave. You <laughs> found the root of all evil. Also, considering like the levels of purity at that time regarding sex. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You, could you blame them for wanting to like go have sex with Satan, who was probably you know more adventurous? Good at it. He's probably right. a better fuck. Yeah, right. I can say that for almost. What certain. is this? An <laughs> orgasm? I can have this. <laughs> what is this weird feeling in my bad parts? Yeah. Jake is um, very confused. Hysteria. Hysteria. Is what it <laughs> hysteria. Is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Um, but what does actually make these accusations really unique in Europe from the 14th to about the 18th century is this deep, deep-seated fear of being accused of heresy. And, I, I mean, just even beyond now where, you know, Alex Jones is like, oh, Satan, blah, 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 and then he grunts and groans into the mic for 20 seconds and we're all deeply uncomfortable. Um, oh, he does, and it's horrible. But also, fuck that guy, because he just lost a bunch of court cases, so suck it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Satan. Eat it, you motherfucker. Uh, I hate that guy. Um, Th this, I mean, truly just, they saw Satan in everything. And that is not hyperbole. They saw Satan in everything. So a lot of the witchcraft accusations also included charges of things like Diabloism. Um, and also, you're a witch, or you're a malevolent sorcerer, you're a Maleficum. Um, so a lot of the history starts to uh, show that, showed this uptick of accusations starting around the 1300s goes all the way up to the late 1700s in Europe and witchcraft was seen primarily as a combination of sorcery, devil worshiping, the selling of one's soul to Satan and desecration of the crucifix. So there's a lot yeah. going on right there. I would not like the exorcist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. yep. I know, right? Yeah. Let me just mount this crucifix. The first thing I thought happens. of. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh no. Uh, we also start to see the common belief come up that witches rode through the night uh, in the air to what they would call sabbats or secret meetings, where apparently all manner of depravity took place. And that would include sexual orgies, having sex with demons, or Satan himself, shape-shifting, conjuring familiars, kidnapping, murdering, and eating of children, and rendering their fat for potions. I mean, most of this sounds like a great fucking time. Yeah, where's the downside here? Minus the baby killing, yeah. Like, let's not kill and eat the babies, but, like, we could go kidnap some and, like, give them a good life. Start an orphanage. Witches have the best candy. Just have the best candy. I mean, it also sounds like they're not wasting any parts, so that's okay. Nathan, I can get behind that. Oh my oh god! god. <laughs> Reduce, reuse, so, recycle. So Nathan's not allowed to watch our kids. <laughs> we come hey. home, and there's just like a bottle of fat on the table. Hey, oh I made your child uh, come back. I made sure Junior was easier to take care of for you. Rub that on your skin. You'll live forever. Uh, my son has made it 11 years. Thank you very much. That is true. That is true. You are a good dad. Um, but he's not taking care of him full time. So there's that. Oh. He's, he's made it through every single weekend. There you I, go. <laughs> that he's visited me. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so these fears were actually this fear of like being accused of heresy and fears of Satan. They actually became so bad amongst the general populace in Europe that witches and witch hunting and definitions of witches and sorcery were inscribed into law. Now, I realize y'all know that, but some of the listeners might not. Um, actual law. These were laws written by government officials, uh, conferred uh, by priests and judges and they were used to charge, try, and punish so-called witches. It seems ludicrous now, but given that we have people who think Democrats are psych- sacrificing children in the back of pizza parlors, not, yeah. not that big of a stretch. And then satanic panic, so. Mm-hmm. Which we're going through another one right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyways, all of that aside, that's my general kind of disclaimer so how what would it take to get you accused of being a witch in europe you all kind of highlighted some of that um charges of maleficum were prompted by who knows it could have been anything as one person blaming their misfortune misfortune on another uh something bad happened to john that could not be readily explained and then john felt like richard didn't like him so john suspects richard of harming him by supernatural or occult means. Um, <clears throat> the most common suspicions were livestock, crops, storms. Sure, lightning hit my house. A witch must have done it. Uh, disease, property, and inheritance. There was a lot of that. So if you didn't get something in daddy's will, well, clearly the other family member was a witch and ensorcelled oh daddy to convince that him to you know give over the money to this other person. Uh, sexual dysfunction, rivalry. <laughs> I yep. can't get it up, so I it's, can't uh, get hard. So, yep, yep. Someone must have cursed me. Family feuds, marital discord, uh, the uh, introduction of step parents into a child's life, uh, sibling rivalries, and then, of course, the all seeing, all knowing, multi stage land of idiocy, which is local politics. <laughs> Hell yeah. (laughs) So you have people pointing the fingers at each other constantly. And then you have religion playing this huge role in all of this and then lots of other accusations. And a lot of this is going to stem from a long history of how the church launched theological and legal attacks on those they deemed heretics. Um, So, yep, fucking church. Yep. Um, Heresy is a fully religious term. I went all the way back to the etymology of this because I thought it was interesting. We use it very casually today. We use that word very casually at a lot of the time. Oh, oh, heresy. Oh, what kind (laughs) of heresy is? We do. And that's just the nature of language adapting and changing as civilization does. But it is a, by definition, a religious term. 
So in Christianity, the church from the start regarded itself as the custodian of a divinely imparted revelation, which it alone was authorized to expound under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So then any interpretation that differed from the original one was necessarily heretical in both this new and pejorative sense of the world. So we can actually see history of heresy and how it's used. We had um, ancient Syrians and early Christians uh, butting heads with each other and Christians accusing the Syrians of heresy in the Middle Ages. In France, in 1022, there were a supposed group of heretics in uh, Orleans that were accused of orgy, infanticide, invocations of demons, and the use of dead children's ashes in a blasphemous parody of the Eucharist. What's that? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So what, basically, what it? <laughs> instead of taking in the body and blood of Christ, oh, you're our <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're eating dead children's ashes. That seems like you'd need a drink with them. This was in 1022. That's what their blood is for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh okay. Yep. 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 Um, these allegations can start to be seen from uh, the 11th century through the 14th. So, and this also happened. It, it's just like with anything when religious, when religion and culture, but there's a fundamental shift that happens amongst the populace and this reform and this focus starts to uh, make people some people more fe fearful usually the highly religious ones and then other people who are like nah just chill it's okay it's change and, and people are like no I don't like change you're a witch ah burn it, it happens over and over and over again again we're in the middle of it right now where we have hmm. all these old white people absolutely terrified that they're suddenly going to be on the bottom rung and they're going to get treated the way that they treat people of other colors and religions. So here we go. Um, also witch talk. So. It's yeah. The, the witch thing. It's just it's, the witches, is, which is on TikTok, getting into shit, doing stuff they shouldn't. Shit. I know. <laughs> it's so fun. I <laughs> am. Yeah, my deja vu was so strong when I was looking at all of this. I was like, oh, here this we go. This is oddly familiar. Yeah, nothing ever actually changes. Yeah. Um, there's also, during this time period, a more visible role that's being played by women. And so more women are being accused of heresy. And then this contributes, uh, it's, it's supposed, and it's pretty obvious to draw a fairly straight line between more women being accused of heresy and taking a more a bigger role in society and the stereotype of the witch is female. Um, but ultimately it was this deep terror of Satan. And I do not use the word terror lightly. They literally thought that if they didn't adhere to certain rituals and certain prayers and that kind of thing, that you were going to walk outside your door, bam, Satan right there to come drag you to hell. And that was it. Just yeah. done. All yeah. right. Yep. It's also a really good way of controlling the populace who are exactly. not able Can't to read. read. Yep. And all of church services in Catholicism are in Latin and like yep. the priest spoke it and and very and very few people outside of wealthy people and priests mm -hmm. could read. Mhm. Mm yep. Um so a lot they could just of just say whatever the heck they wanted. They could say yeah. whatever the heck they wanted. That's exactly right. A lot of the witch hunting done in Europe during this time period, again, 1400 to about late 1780, 1790, happened in West Germany, uh, Northern Italy, and Switzerland. This is also where areas, these were areas really high for prosecutions of heresy. Lots of charges of Diabloism. Ton of it. Uh, in other parts like Spain and Portugal and southern Italy, the prosecutions rarely happened. Executions were very rare. I have some history on this, but then I'm going to look very hard at England because England's history with this is not only uh, sideways and backwards, but deeply skewed. And we have a real winner of a dude that came out of all of this that I kind of oh, am hell yeah. so glad he died at like age 28 of tuberculosis. Fuck that guy. Um, 
historians are not exactly sure when the first actual witch trial in medieval Europe happened. Um, even though you had some clergy and judges in the Middle Ages who were deeply skeptical of accusations of witchcraft, the period from 1300 to 1330 can be seen as the beginning of all of this. And this, and then uh, what happened in 1374 was Pope Gregory XI declared that all magic done was done with the aid of demons and thus was open to prosecution for heresy. So he just kicked the door in, went, okay, magic, bad. If you do anything that I deem as magic because I'm the Pope, you're a witch. <laughs> wow. And he, yeah, it was kind of his fault. A lot of it. Him and Pope Innocent VIII, who we'll talk about. Pope in a Innocent. Pope Innocent VIII. Yep. Okay. So we had witch trials that continued through the 14th and early 15th century. But the records, again, are really hard to find or they're deeply inconsistent. And even by the mid 1430s, the number of prosecutions start to go up. And then toward the end of the 15th century, we get two big events that kick off this like frothing at the mouth and desire to hunt witches. Pope Aww, Innocent yeah. VIII's publication in 1484 of an official uh, declaration that translated from Latin is desiring with the greatest ardor uh, condemned witchcraft mm. as Satanism. And then the publication in 1486 of a book that if you know anything about this, you've probably heard of. It's translated from German as the Hammer of Witches or the Malleus Maleficarum. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's a deeply misogynistic book that blames witchcraft chiefly on women. And we're going to talk about Malleus Maleficarum uh, a little bit more in detail here in just a second, because I had to pull that bad boy out <laughs> and look at it. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, but you can find copies of this online very easily. Cornell has it. A bunch of places have it. Uh, it is a wild read. <laughs> and I felt like I was losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> um, to to give this kind of a uh, final brush stroke on this broad look at uh, witch hunting in Europe during this time, the hunts actually got more severe from 1580 to 1630. And the last known execution for witchcraft was in Switzerland in 1782. I'm like... Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's People kind of intense. To, people love to hate difference, right? I, yeah. Well, and that's like what what does a what does it mean to what does it mean to be a witch? I read so much on this and they're like there are no actual witches unless you ascribe to a religion like Wicca. Mm -hmm. That isn't anything like what they're actually accusing people of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and some of it, some of it was just like head, like hedge witches, which were just mm -hmm. people who were like delivering babies and grinding delivering babies and making pharmaceuticals. Yep. And they weren't like professional doctors because they were hard to come by and they would just help people. But right. if they didn't help people exactly right, or your baby died, or your baby died, yep. or you know, whatever. Or you walk or, by the house and the chicken drop dead. Yeah. Or some of them even were doing things like prophesizing, which yep. is definitely not okay in most of Christianity. Like they get real touchy about it, even though they have no one's supposed to know. Yeah, the like the last prophet. Right. Yeah. And so, but like they would, they would be able to say like, "Hey, man, like." the king is going to be doing real great. And then the king would hear and he'd be like, cool, awesome. I love you. And then like one day your prophecy didn't come true. And then suddenly thousands of people were dying. Right. Yep. Um, the, pardon me. The best guess is that again, records, not accurate or missing. So best guess is that roughly 110,000 people in all during this time period across Europe were tried for witchcraft and anywhere from 40 to 60,000 executed. Jesus. A lot of fucking people. Yeah. Mostly women. Um, I don't want to make one more clarification. So these hunts that happened were not, like I said, they were not actually pursuits of individuals who were identified as witches. The process began with suspicions and then occasionally continued through rumors and accusations to convictions. 
the overwhelming majority of processes never went further than the rumor stage because accusing someone of witchcraft was actually really expensive and really dangerous for the people making the accusations and the people trying to hunt these so-called witches down. We will talk about that because it is very interesting how quickly the bill racks up. I was fascinated yeah. by that. Yeah, it. the numbers are wild. <laughs> Um, so you mean old white men get all the power? Okay, getting all the power. All the and, yeah, shocker, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was wildly expensive. Um, a lot of the accusations were made by the alleged victims of witchery themselves, rather than by priests or judges or nobles or other elites. And successful prosecution of one witch usually would lead to a local hunt for others, but larger hunts and regional panics were confined. Mostly, again, there's an exception to everything, to the years 1590 to 1640-ish. Very few accusations went beyond the level of a small village. So this was not a... It, the widespread panic didn't start building up until the late 16th century. Which kind of... I, I feel like it was a, it was a good um, circle to draw around as a border... Instead of thinking, oh, every time someone was accused of a witch, then it would spread into this widespread panic. That was not usually the case. It was like, you killed my chicken. You're a witch. Drown her. You know, and then they would move on with their lives. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Malleus Maleficarum. This book. Uh, height of the German witch frenzy, and it was marked by this publication. Again, translated Hammer of Witches. And it became the handbook for witch hunters and Inquisitors. Oh, all right. Mm. Oh, no, oh, expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> so I am actually going to uh, read you a little section out of the book by John Demos, The Enemy Within, because again, he's an academic who's dedicated his entire life to this, and I am not any of those things. So he's better at it. He has a whole chapter on the Malleus Maleficarum. Uh, it's fourteen eighty four. The town of Ravensburg, in what today is southwestern Germany, near the Swiss border. A team of Catholic priests, members of the Dominican Order, presses forward with an investigation of witchcraft. Their leader is a dedicated and experienced inquisitor named Heinrich Kramer, sometimes Latinized to Institoris. Eight women are put on trial for causing injury to people and animals, and for raising tempests to destroy the harvest. This is, in fact, the culmination of a four-year campaign within the town and its satellite villages. The roster of the accused would eventually total 48. At mm. least half this number, perhaps more, will be convicted and burnt at the stake. From Ravensburg, the witch hunters move on to Innsbruck, a large uh, Tyrolean community far east. But their reception is different here. The resident bishop declines to support the charges they bring against several local women and derides Kramer, this inquisitor, as a, quote, senile old man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Burn. Go, go, Bishop, go. <laughs> yeah. They, they would find support, and then the next village ever would be like, nah, I don't think Get so. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. They'd run him out of town. After some weeks, the accused are set free, and the inquisitors are forced to depart. Some of that forcing, just as a note, would be actual pitchfork mobs. I would wish. show up on the door of these inquisitors and go, now nah, you need to get the hell out of here. Um, in fact, Kramer's efforts against witches have achieved only mixed results. Success here, resistance there, in the dozen or so years since the papacy named him chief inquisitor for southern Germany. Thus, at some point in the early 1480s, he and his Dominican colleague, Jakob Sprenger, decide to seek a stronger mandate. They appeal to the newly installed Pope, Innocent VIII, who quickly obliges them with a bull or official statement that amounts to a license for unlimited witch hunting. Oh, my God. These two guys, so these two guys, Kramer and Sprenger, are the, the guys who wrote the Malleus Maleficarum. Totally at fault for this. Uh, it has come to our ears, the Pope writes, that in some parts of upper, or what we would know now, southern Germany, many persons of both sexes, for seeking the Catholic faith, give themselves over to devils. These miscreants then use, quote, incantation, incantations, charms, and conjurings, 
in causing all sorts of harm to men, women, cattle, and flocks and herds. Vineyards also, and orchards, meadows, pastures, harvests, grains, and other fruits of the earth. Moreover, they deny with sacrilegious lips the faith they received in holy baptism. And then Demos here notes, the list of their, quote, abominable, off abominable offenses and crimes goes on and on, and it seems strangely, strangely reminiscent in at least some of the details of the crimes attributed to early Christians more than a millennium before. To make matters worse, uh, quote, certain of the clergy and laity impede the work of our beloved sons, referring to Kramer and Springer here, in bringing such persons to account. Hence, the aforesaid offenses go unpunished. The situation cannot be permitted to continue. From now on, the Inquisitors will have free and full scope for correcting, imprisoning, punishing, and chastising, according to their deserts, those whom they shall find guilty. And it about... Chastising. Chastising. Yeah. Just a wag of the finger. Sure. Or, yeah. Probably yeah. not. Probably not. And then after this, Kramer embarks on a further and closely related project to prepare a book about his inquisitorial activities. Written in Latin, entitled the Malaeus Maleficarum, English translation, The Hammer of Witches, and published at Strasbourg in 1486, this work will come become to seen as the epitome of witch hunting. It was literally the guidebook. So it was used as a casebook for the detection and persecution of witches. It specified things like rules of evidence, which to me is the funniest fucking phrase. <laughs> Words of evidence? <laughs> rules of oh, what evidence? What rules? None here. No rules. No right. Out back. Nah, yeah, it's like that you can't. What the fuck? Uh, he also wrote uh, canonical procedures by which suspected witches were tortured and put to death. This book is it translated over 400 pages long. Wow. wow. It is fucking banana pants. So I'm going to give you the link. You can look at it. Um, I read bits and pieces just because I felt like I was losing my mind when I read it. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah. I'm definitely curious in checking it out, but yeah, I feel like I'm going to hit a wall like you did. It's real hard to read. Yeah, it's real hard. And it's very strangely academic. It's really bizarre. Um, so thousands of people, mostly women, were murdered as a result of the procedures described in the book for no reason than a strange birthmark living alone mental illness, <laughs> cultivation of medicinal herbs, or simply because they were falsely accused, often for the financial gain of the accuser. Um, huh. This book, I know, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Um, it's, it's a warning. It really is a warning about what happens when intolerance takes over a society. And we see this played out over and over again. Uh, this book is basically a document that is honing cruelty and barbarism and ignorance all wrapped up under the banner of the Inquisition. And it's been interpreted as wide as evidence of a widespread subterranean pagan tradition that worshipped a pre-Christian horned deity. And this is where we're going to talk about a woman named Margaret Alice Murray. I fell down a rabbit hole again with her, so I had to like chop it in half um during the early to mid 1900s academia mostly white mostly male had a newfound interest in uh witch trials and witchcraft and why did all of these women get you know uh either hung or burned at the stake or drowned what was going on here and then you have this woman named margaret murray uh, she was born in 1863 and died in 1963, and she was an Anglo-Indian Egyptologist. She was okay. also an archaeologist, an anthropologist, a historian, and a folklorist. Very learned woman. Awesome. Yeah. Badass. But she had some interesting takes on why all of a sudden a bunch of women were being accused during this like 150 to 200 years of history in um, post medieval Europe, why they were being accused of witchery or um, maleficum. Right. And she saw it as evidence of this pagan tradition that was driven underground. And that happened to tie to a pre-Christian horned deity. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Okay, so yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, pagans, and okay. And we know that Christians adopted a bunch of stuff from pagans and they no longer acknowledge this and on and on and on. 
But but why why did she latch onto this? So I thought this one might be a, a little interesting adjoinder to what we're talking about because um, she did some really valuable work teasing out the details of some of these women's lives who were accused and maybe what they were actually being accused of. And it ties back to heresy. I can feel my research radar going off sometimes when I dig into this <laughs> stuff. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. So Murray was this fascinating figure. Um, she was the first woman to be appointed as a lecturer in archaeology in the United Kingdom. And she mostly worked at the University College of London from 1898 to 1935. She was also the president of the Folklore Society from 1953 to 1955. Widely published, very learned, deeply interested in folklore. And so this is where she came to this interest in the witch trials of early modern Europe. And in 1917, she published a paper in this folklore magazine. It was kind of their academic journal, which she's first talking about her version of what's known as the witch cult theory. Ooh. This was fascinating. Yeah, I was like, I have never heard of this. Teach me something new, professor. Um, <laughs> so she, <laughs> she actually was, yeah, she was arguing that the witches largely persecuted in European history were actually followers of a, quote, uh, a definite religion with beliefs, ritual, and organization as highly developed as that of any cult in the end. And she followed this up with a lot more papers after that, looking at this history. Um, and as a result of her work in this area, she was actually invited to provide the entry on witchcraft for the 14th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica in 1929. You go, girl. Yes. But she also did some damage because this witch cult theory for the longest time was actually what academia went with oh, no. off of her sometimes just suppositions. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. This got really weird. Um, she also, uh, because she put forth this witch cult theory, it actually got a really enthusiastic reception by occultists. And it is part of the reason why we have modern Wiccanism. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating. So... Um, she spent the rest of her career talking about her rich cult theory. The culmination of that was in a 1933 book called The God of the Witches. It was aimed at a wider, non-academic kind of working class audience. And in this book, she cut out or toned down what she saw as more unpleasant aspects of the witch cult, such as animal and child sacrifice, and began describing the religion in more positive terms as the old religion. She did some damage here. Yeah. 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 She was actively impugning or deleting or editing actual history to make it less spicy. We'll say. <laughs> but the mm -hmm. spice. The spice. It must flow. Listen, I got my cartilage pierced yesterday, and my the lady who did the piercing, she's like, that's going to feel a little spicy the rest of the day. And I was like, I'm stealing that. I love that. <laughs> that's what my tattoo artist said when she was doing my back. She's like, that's a spicy place to get a tattoo. I yep. wouldn't do that personally. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> but she was yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it hurts like a bitch. Um, okay, so, and then in her second book, when we're talking about the witch cult, it was called The Witch Cult in Western Europe. Um, she stated that she restricted her research to Great Britain, even though she made some recourse to sources from France, Flanders, and New England. And she drew a division between what she termed operative witchcraft, which referred to the performance of charms or spells, and then witch ritual witchcraft, wow, that's hard to say, by which she meant the ancient religion of Western Europe or what she also termed a Dianaic cult. She used the word cult. She didn't ascribe to good research processes. <laughs> and she just yeah. full-on deleted some evidence. So we have, we have some problems here. But also that was very common. Right, right. And then we based, we based hundreds of years of history on one person's say-so. It's just, it gets messy. It gets really messy. There's a lot of details about it. But I, I wanted to, to bring her up because her interpretation of this history, it's not proven by the really strict standards of historians and academics. 
She was really selective about what evidence she utilized, and it left her open for wide criticism by the larger academic establishment. On top of the fact that she was an Anglo-Indian woman in the early 1900s, talking about flying witches. So it's like, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, I would (laughs) point out that if you want to learn more about Margaret Murray, um, Margot Adler has this really great book called Drawing Down the Moon. Sorry, my cat is yelling. Um, that I have it back here on my shelf. It it is kind of one of the more primary sources now when it comes to talking about the history of witchcraft that is actually uh, researched and and well written. And but she talks a lot about Murray in there, and it's fascinating what she gets into because she had Murray had everything against her, and then she didn't do herself any favors by de- basically deleting history. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to to kind of boil to boil this theory down, her this witch cult theory was basically that there were a bunch of pre-Christian pagan religions. They were had to go and operate underground or in secret, and then Christians either witnessed their worship or a symbol of their deity, saw the horns, assumed it was the devil, and this is why tens of thousands of people were executed. We know this is not true. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, yeah, because some of the accusations were as simple as my chicken died. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. was fueling that we don't know necessarily, but it becomes this blueprint for research that set a lot of that that research back for a long time, and we're only now getting back to it. Which is why I wanted to point people toward John Demos and Margot Adler um, as good sources for this. Um, uh, Margaret Murray is actually referred to as the grandmother of Wicca. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, so it's just, uh, you know, everything from Book of Shadows to the Horned God and Mother Goddess, they're all have been adapted from Murray's ideas about the ancient witch cult. It's wow. really fascinating. Anyways, all of that aside, uh, these two fuckers in Germany decided that uh, with this witch hunting book that they have in the Malleus Maleficarum, they're going to use it to not only refute that claims of witchcraft don't, like, witchcraft doesn't exist, we're going to drive you out of town, you're a crazy person, how dare you? Uh, They used it to refute those who express skepticism about its reality, to prove that witches were more often women than men, and to educate magistrates on procedures that could find them out and convict them. The main body of this book is divided into three parts. You have part one that demonstrates the theoretical reality of sorcery. I love that. The theoretical reality of sorcery. It was like, yeah. I need to think I about was, that for a second. Doing on it. I'm like, uh, what? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part two is divided into two sections or questions which detail the practice and its cures. And then part three describes the legal procedure to be used in the prosecution of witches. The Malleus was republished 26 times in early modern period and remained a standard text on witchcraft for centuries. 26 times! That's ridiculous. In a, in, a, in a day and age where you had to typeset every single letter. God. God. Yep. Um, and it took off. It took off in Germany, Switzerland... And then kind of bled into places like Scotland and then in England. And um, the reason that Germany, one of the other big reasons that Germany saw so many active convictions of witches was the Holy Roman Empire's adoption of this thing called the Constitutio Criminalis Carolina in 1530. It not only instituted the prosecution of witches at the judge's initiative, And so it would put accused witches at the mercy of a magistrate who was judge, investigator, prosecutor, defense counsel, but also executioner. Um, Many contradictions. So many, so many. And also would use this this text from the Holy Roman Empire and the Catholic Church along with the Malleus to then um, use as guidebooks for the interrogation of the accused, deny them counsel, require torture in order to extract a confession and specify that witches be punished with death by burning. Very fun. Yeah. So fun. All right. 
So England is kind of the mis the not the misnomer, but the outlier in all of this. And this is where we're going to talk about a man named Matthew Hopkins. Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General, as he self-titled himself. Uh-huh. Uh, born roughly in 1620, died in 1647. He didn't live that long, y'all. Um, he was an English witch hunter whose career flourished during the English Civil War. He claimed to hold this office of Witchfinder General, although that title was never bestowed by Parliament or by the Church. And he mostly was active in what was known at the time as East Anglia. He actually started his witch-finding career, we'll say, uh, in 1644, about three years before he died. So he was like 25. He retired in 1647 and then dropped dead of tuberculosis. And I was like, you know what? Karma. You stay down there. That's <laughs> where you need to be. Bastard. Um he and his associates were responsible for more people being hanged for witchcraft than in the previous 100 years in England. Wow. During three years. Yep. Uh, he is believed to be responsible for the executions over, of over 100 alleged witches between the years of 1644 and late 1646, early 1647. That's a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And this is why I wanted to point out England, um, because it does also tie directly into Nathan's uh, American, North America history, because Hopkins was a huge influence on the Salem witch trials, as was the Malleus Maleficarum. It all bleeds together. Um, so it's estimated that all of the English witch trials between the early 15th and late 18th centuries resulted in fewer than 500 executions of witchcraft. Which in the span of the 40 to 60,000 people we're talking about overall during this time period across Europe, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. Uh, so England didn't have this history until Hopkins came along. This is what is so wild to me. Uh, this guy was, he wasn't an iconoclast. I don't know if y'all are familiar with the term. Um, William, I think his name was William Dowsing at the time. He was actually appointed by the Catholic Church to go, an iconoclast is someone who busts icons, who breaks religious icons. So if they see you have an icon that is not of a very particular Christian or Catholic tradition, he would go in and break those things down. He would literally like take a hammer to it and break it. So if the iconoclast was coming around, you get out of the fucking way. And Hopkins was kind of influenced by this guy. And he, want, he wanted to be the, oh, like the iconoclast witch hunter. He wanted to just break witches. He was a bastard. Just complete bastard. <laughs> yeah. Mm. This is fine. So, this is, this is fine. fine this is really fine. Yeah. He had a colleague named John Stern. Um, and they sent to the gallows more accused people than all of the other witch hunters in England of the previous 160 years. So there's very little known about him up until 1644, and there are no surviving contemporary documents concerning him or his family. We know he was born in Suffolk. Uh, he was the fourth son of six children. His father, this is not shocking, was a Puritan clergyman. Hey. You don't say. Shocker. His father was popular with his parishioners, one of whom in 1619 left money to purchase Bibles for his then three children, um, James, John, and Thomas. So that is how uh, historians know that Matthew Hopkins couldn't have been born between, couldn't have been born before 1619 and couldn't have been older than 28 when he died. He could have been as young as 26 because when those Bibles were bought and they have been found and like archived, they were only named to the three older boys. Matthew didn't exist at the time. Huh. So. Yep. Interesting. Um, in the early 1640s, Hopkins moved to Manningtree, Essex, which is a town on uh, the River Stour. It's about 10 miles from another very small town called uh, Wenham. Uh, apologies to the English people if I am mispronouncing your town names. I'm very sorry. Well, ask James. Um, yeah. <laughs> James, <laughs> come get it, please. Help. Uh, he had a little bit of money in his pocket, and he used that money to establish himself as a gentleman and to buy the Thorn Inn in a nearby town. 
And from the way he presented evidence in trials, Hopkins is commonly thought to have been trained as a lawyer, but there's scant evidence to suggest that this was actually the case. Evidence like, you know, education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The witch hunts that were undertaken by Hopkins and his colleague, John Stern, mainly took place in East Anglia. So this would be the counties of Suffolk, Essex, Norfolk, Cambridgeshire, and Huntingtonshire, along with a few other counties north of there. Um, what is really interesting is that they would have required some form of letters of safe conduct to be able to travel because there was a civil war going on. So yeah, (laughs) you had to have papers at that time in order to move around. Um, I want to note that he worked with no real authority. He basically was a freelance finder of evidence and then (laughs) used that exact quote evidence as means for trials and executions. Yeah. Just because you call it evidence doesn't mean it's evidence. Exactly. Just because I say I'm a doctor doesn't mean I am a doctor, but I am a doctor. But now I'm going to kill you. That's basically how that worked. Um, he Hopkins really doesn't show up in any official records until around that 1644 mark when an associate, this John Stern guy, accused a group of women in Manningtree, Essex, of trying to kill him with sorcery. So Hopkins jumps in, gung-ho, joins in with these investigations that involved subjecting the accused to sleep deprivation and searches of their bodies by women known as searchers or seekers looking for a physical deformity or blemish, which could be called a devil's mark. Oh, God, I'm fucked. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I I know, right? Yeah. I have a birthmark that's like two and a half inches by... You've been suckling An inch and a half. Like, fuck suckling. Like, there's, like, a fucking gash there. It's huge. <laughs> Courtney, I almost spit my beer out. <laughs> Someone you're in welcome. your family was banging a demon. Obviously. Oh, uh, definitely. Listen, if you're going to know. People used to, like, because it's on my the back of my cap. So people used to ask me, like, ew, what's that? And I'd be like, um, none draw, drew on me with a permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. I love it. <laughs> So these two guys, Hopkins and Stern, they ride around towns with these women with them. Are you going to tell me no one side-eyed them and went, why you got all these women with you? Because they had these seekers with them. Yeah. They weren't going to investigate women's bodies. Oh, no, 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 no. We're only riding around with a bunch of unmarried women. Yeah, come on. Um, So eventually, 36 local women were charged with witchcraft. Their names were given either under confession or by townsfolk accusing each other, pointing fingers. Mm. And then following a trial overseen by the Earl of Warwick, 19 of those women were hanged in July 1645. And then comes, in the very next month, the largest witch trial in English history. It was held at Bury St. Edmunds in Suffolk, where 18 people, 16, men in, or 16 women and two men, were hanged on evidence supplied by Hopkins and Stern. And only that evidence. Wow. Around a hundred more were accused. Uh, they lingered in filthy conditions in prison, some undoubtedly succumbing to disease and the elements while they were awaiting trial. That's brutal. It's brutal. And so no, no, bur- what's worst is like being, ha- you know, hung or burned at a, a stake. I don't know. Or either. just like starving to death and being eaten by rats. Right. Uh, yep. Also, like, they didn't have any official authority. Like, how nope. are they throwing people in prison? It would have been overseen by whoever was magistrate in the area and went along with it. Just act like you own the place and people will often just act you. like you own the place. They were probably accusing outcasts already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyone who was if- seen as like, oh, weird, you know. Ha, <laughs> devil fuck. I, mean, yep. I would not have done uh, well in those times. <laughs> no, no, none of us would have. Like, Nathan would have had the best chance. Like, to be fair. We also probably would have been actual witches at that time. Oh, no, 100%. I would have been standing outside my little hut with an axe, like, fucking try me. Let's go. Come on. It's the equivalent of taking your earrings off and throwing a shoe. It's like, come on, let's go. Um, (laughs) That's the rule is when someone comes at you, you act crazy. And then they run away. Uh, So after this, they were like, hey, we just got 18 people hanged on evidence that we found and only we found. Look at us. So they get really, like, big-headed about it. And then Hopkins and Stern decide to travel around eastern England. Why not? 
And they're self-appointed witch finders. They're aided by these women. They were also known as prickers. Uh, <laughs> yep, I know. I know. I snorted when I saw that. Uh, they were women who searched the bodies of the accused for these devil's marks. They were also, also looking for extra nipples, at which a witch's familiar, animals with names and personalities sent by the devil who would do the witch's bidding, on which they fed the familiars they suckled. Yep. And such marks would sometimes be pricked with a needle to see if the victim showed any pain. Now, come on now. Uh, Hopkins has believed that uh, to have used prickers with retractable points to feign insensitivity in his victims. Oh, what an yep. ass! Yeah. Wow. Yep. Uh, so like, together shit. with... These prickers, they were pretty well paid for their work. It's been suggested that that obviously was a motivation for his actions. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Hopkins states that his, quote, fees were to maintain his company with three horses and that he took, quote, 20 shillings a town. The records of one small town called Stowmarket show their cost to the town to have been 23 pounds or almost 4,000 pounds as of this year. Just for traveling Whoa. expenses. Wow. Per town. What a racket. Yep. They're just like... Uh, grifter. Okay, so like, grifter. Literally <laughs> state-sanctioned killing. Like, they're basically state-sanctioned yeah. serial killers and then forcing people to pay them for killing their neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's insane. What a job. Yep. What a time. So, the, the cost to these communities were such that in 1645, a special local tax rate had to be levied in Ipswich. They actually had to raise taxes in order to pay these guys. You guys, you guys got to pay for your, like, witch hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ask you guys for it. You guys don't want to live next to witches. It's yeah, like going to Chipotle and they give you <laughs> avocado when you didn't ask for it. Like, how? I don't, how who has this? avocado money? <laughs> <laughs> how is this like the appropriate kind of socialism. I I know. Right. I know it is wild. It, what, you want what healthcare? Even... No, fuck you. Fuck you, want you. Witch witches. Hunts? No. <laughs> okay, but we're gonna give everyone witch hunts and we're gonna raise taxes. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> on on already very poor people. Right. Yeah. Very um, poor, uneducated people. Uneducated. Yep easily stoked into a furor because they were uneducated and were so terrified of Satan. Like, yeah, no one had a so fucking familiar. chance. I know, it's wild. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I'm almost you done. You want healthcare? You want healthcare? No, have an abortion ban instead. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, so the other thing that I, I found just staggering, but at the same time, again, not because it's like, well, duh, was Parliament knew what Hopkins was doing because there were reports of the Bury St. Edmunds witch trials of 1645. And before the trial, there was a, port, a report carried to Parliament, quote, as if some busy men had made use of some ill arts to extort such a confession. And a special commission was granted for the trial of these witches. They knew what was going on. There was a parliamentary paper published during this time. There were editorials published. They expressed unease, but did anybody stop them? Fucking no. No. Uh, at the same time, or I, it was a little bit before that, you also have uh, inspiration being drawn from the demonology, or daemonology, which was written by King James. And it's cited directly in Hopkins' book, The Discovery of Witches. Which is why every time I see a book, a, a fiction book called that now, I flinch. So I'm like, yeah. do you not know what you're... Okay. Uh, but it sounds cool, Holly. Yeah. Uh, we the history, what? <laughs> uh, what I'm about to tell you about Hopkins' torture methods are really brutal. So just go with me on this. Um, Torture was nominally unlawful in England, and he often used techniques such as sleep deprivation to extract confessions from his victims. He would also cut the arm of the accused with a blunt knife, and if she did not bleed, she would said to be a witch. Another of his methods was the swimming test. 
based on oh. the idea that as witches had renounced their baptism, water would reject them. So suspects were tied to a chair and thrown into the water, and all those who swam or floated were considered to be witches. He was actually warned against the use of swimming without the victim's permission first, and this <laughs> led to the legal abandonment of the test by the end of 1645. Yep. Uh, other, other acts include... Um, the things that were all based on contemporary superstition. This involved walking a woman to exhaustion before questioning, making <laughs> the accused to stand or sit in a room without food or water and watching them closely for hours. So psychological torture. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, so totally physical torture. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It starts in the brain and then it's physical torture and you, you're not allowed to stand or sit depending on what they decided to do. Throw you in the water, you're not allowed to swim, so you're afraid you're going to drown. Oops, you drowned. Must not have been a witch. Uh, um, I, I, I do, it is. It's, yep, yeah, it's just awful. So I, I do want to point out that um, Hopkins actually had one very outspoken vicar against him. His name was John Gall. He uh, was a vicar of Great Staunton in Huntingdonshire. And there are sources that claim between two and 300 people were executed as a result of Hopkins and Stern's activities at the time. But they stopped when the attention, and this is when Hopkins decided to, quote, retire from witch hunting at the ripe old age of like 27 or 28. <laughs> uh, they stopped when attention began to mount regarding their motivations because Gaul was so open about it. He preached against Hopkins and his book. Uh, he exposed the self-appointed witchfinder's methods using his own words, which I find is just great. Like, would read from Hopkins' own book on the pulpit and be like, this dude's crazy, right? It's not just me. Like, <laughs> he's a nut, okay? Uh, the campaign actually worked. And in 1647, uh, a group of gentlemen influenced by his writings produced a series of probing questions for Hopkins which claimed he used unlawful courses of torture to make them say anything for ease and quiet, and that it was an abominable, inhumane, and unmerciful trial of these poor creatures by tying them and heaving them into the water, a trial not allowable by law or conscience. Sometimes people aren't half bad. I'm sure yeah, they still thought women that. were only on Earth, you know, to do their bidding, but at least they tried to stop this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so by the time the jig was kind of up, uh, you know, Hopkins decides to retire, quote unquote. He writes this self-justifying book called A Discovery of Witches. It tried to rebuff this uh, priest, Gaul, by detailing his methods, recounting his hunts. And I was like, do you know what, what it means to dig your own grave? Because it's literally what you're doing right now. Thank you for writing this so all of us in the future know you are a fucking dick. Uh, it was, uh, the book actually after his death became a minor sensation and it helped to lead to his enduring reputation, but also influenced the Salem witch trials. But by this point, er everything had kind of changed. The civil war in England had changed. The witch trials became fewer in number, even though there were further prosecutions later to come in the century. Hopkins died very young, probably from tuberculosis. And the chef's kiss of to this, he was buried in a village churchyard of Mist Mistley Heath, in which is now an unmarked grave. Yes, sucker. And there is a legend that he uh, was thrown in to swim for the swimming test and hanged as a witch himself, even though it's a local legend, it's false, but it would have been a pretty fitting end. That would have been oh, great. I wish that was true. would have been great. Um. I want to also finally just point out that Hopkins' witch hunting methods were outlined in this book that was called A Discovery of Witches. These practices were recommended in law books. Oh, wow. And during the year following the publication of Hopkins' books, so around late 1648, trials and executions for witchcraft began in the New England colonies. And they used his book. Of course they did. Of course they did. So that is a very, very brief overview of some fucked up shit <laughs> in Europe, particularly a man named John Hopkins. Because I don't remember what podcast I had officially I had first like encountered that history on. And as soon as I heard it, I went, what the fucking fuck is going on? I've never heard of this guy. And I feel like it was my duty to draw attention back to him because what a prick. 
Yeah. Thanks, guy. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Glad you died. Bye. And that's it for this week. Next week, we're back, and I will be telling you all about witchcraft in Japan, from blind women that married spirits to witches that employed familiars like snakes and foxes. Special thank you to Kat Dossett for providing us with our amazing cover photo. You can check out more of her work at katdossett.com or at katdossett on Instagram, Dossett being D-O-S-S-E-T-T. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up to date with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The Human Exception. Do you have a story that you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or you just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get in on all the fun, come join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. And by the way, uh, Cordy was still sleeping and Jake just went and woke her up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so when Courtney pops in. Yeah. I just said she can join. She can just join whenever. <laughs> Hell yeah. Or we can wait. I'm good with whatever. Um, we'll give her a moment. Re- I need to refresh my coffee. So that's Do perfect. that. Fabulous. Courtney. Good oh, morning. Well. Are you even alive? <laughs> I... <laughs> I woke up earlier and then I was like, oh, it's Sunday. I went back to sleep. <laughs> um, It happens. Okay. No. I didn't fall asleep until like 3 a.m. So. Oh. It oh. happens. Oh, yeah, but it ain't fun. No. If you want to grab some coffee or something right now before, like, we get into it, you can. Hell yeah. <laughs> Give me some. I have to pee, oh. though, because, like, I haven't okay. had. Oh, my <laughs> God. I, like, woke up and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I like that image of Courtney just bolting up in bed, like, oh, no. <laughs> I have forgotten. Uh... Been there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who has remember that? Remember that time that I totally forgot that we were recording? <laughs> oh fuck yeah! <laughs> oh. Um, how is talking about coming down from the first to the seventh of February? Yes, oh, I'm so stoked. I will. Uh. I don't have any plans, so you know. I'll <laughs> clear my calendar. It's clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, that's that's amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It'll be good. Seven. February. And Jake's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Jake. Jake's like, holy shit. No, he knows who you guys are. <laughs> huh? It's Hallie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> she's lovely. He's like, she's lovely. <laughs> oh, he's sure she's lovely. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not an adjective I would use to describe me, but I'll take it. Everybody. Jake is, like, the sweetest about everyone. He wakes me up so nicely. Like, this morning, he was, like, he, like, kisses my forehead and, like, is rubbing my face. He's like, honey, did you have something this morning? <laughs> Such did a good man. A thing? <laughs> I did really you get again? Hi, anyways, we were talking about other stuff. <laughs> we were talking about witches before we got on the airport carpet. And oh, I'm the sorry. Carpet. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> we, did you guys start and I like came in and was like, <laughs> I was Only... just kind of doing her introduction. Yeah, oh, okay. I was. I was making some clarifications, so we can backtrack and okay. and do that again. Um, I listened first and I heard Nathan talking about a wallet. I'm like, okay, I should be good. <laughs>